This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where you know what we're doing. We're deep into Warren Buffett land, where we are, you know, we're big fans and um, I'm an investor and Danielle's an investor and we've been doing this for a long time. So you probably know <laughs> what we're up to, which is to get investing defined as something that's not rocket science. I mean, it's something simple. It's not easy. But it's something simple, and it's mm. it's something you can do, you guys. It's just something you can absolutely do. And I don't know, we haven't talked about this much, but we've trained, gosh, I think. You. Well, you, yeah, I've trained, trained well over 10,000 people. And I've spoken to yeah. over 2 million live, talking to them about how to do this stuff. And been on TV about it and all kinds of stuff. And. Uh, it just works. I and mean, we've been at it long enough now. You know, I've been at it 40 years and Danielle's been at it, gosh, six years. And um, let's go with like three at this three point. Three years. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Maybe not so quickly. I feel like into the last the first two years, years have just kind of existed. Uh, that's fair enough. We, she has she has long COVID and it's it's a slow healing process, but it is happening. And I'm so excited it's great it's going well so we are in the midst of discussing netflix and we're going to wrap it up this time um, what yeah you think we're going to wrap up netflix i think i haven't even asked you know the hard questions one eighth of the listener questions well let's try let's see i mean it is a really fascinating company and there's a lot of people that would like to know whether now's the time to buy into it now that the stock has gone down 65 percent or something Okay, so, um, so here's now we what? finished two episodes ago talking about depreciation slash amortization of content. Getting we did not really get into that last time. Yeah. So that's teed up. That's teed up. Then I also mentioned a listener question last time, and since you've now said that you want to just like finish talking about Netflix, well, I need to ask <laughs> the excellent listener questions came in. So this one I mentioned last time, but I'll just. Um, make sure I ask it properly. So this is from George from Germany. And he's, by the way, we have listeners from all over the world and it's so fun to get emails from people um, listening everywhere. So he says he inverted the, uh, the story for Netflix. And he says, what if Apple or Disney would play an ultra long game of subsidizing their streaming services with their other revenue to gain market share? Um, and this is not from him, but I'll add like basically what Amazon did for a long time and to get their own flywheel going. In my understanding, Netflix is dependent on their streaming and advertising revenue, while the other guys are not necessarily that same uh, de- dependent in that same way. So it's the worst possible outcome again in the inversion. What if Netflix were taken over by one of those two or some other 
streaming service and what would the price be? What would the library and the brand be for Netflix at its base? And the end from George. And I'm I'm asking this question now because I think it relates a lot to what we're talking about as far as like what does Netflix actually own? What mm-hmm. is Netflix in some ways? Mm-hmm. Is it the people? Is it their content creators? Is it their licensing? Is it the content they've already created in the past and own? Is it really what they can continue to make by throwing money at production? Um, and maybe it's all of that. But I think well, that's, that's all these questions are getting at a lot of the same stuff. They are. What is this company and what's it worth? And I think the depreciation amortization conversation plays into that in a big way. It's a, it's a moat question, right? It yeah. really is a moat question. Yeah. And it really is, I think, to a certain degree, a management question. But let's, let's talk about it from a moat point of view. A moat is something intrinsic to the company. That's a key part of moat, and you really mm. need to understand that. Mm. It's got to be intrinsic, like railroad tracks are intrinsic to a railroad company. You know, gates are intrinsic to an airline. You you got to have gates. Um, at the airport. space at yeah. the airport. You got to have shelf space, which is intrinsic to um, a Coca-Cola type company. Yeah. So yeah. you know the the you got to have this thing that's intrinsic, and and which allows you to not have to compete on price. And what we see with Netflix, at least looking backwards, is that other companies are trying to compete with Netflix on price. Right, they they're going to throw in advertising and give it to you for free. They're going to card charge seven dollars instead of fifteen. Mm-hmm. So Netflix is the priciest one. That's an indication of moat. Okay. Now, the point that everyone's making out there to criticize Netflix is, oh, and and the pricing didn't work very well. They've they've had to reduce subscribers as a result of their price increase, and um, that moat is broken. So we'll, we'll, we we're going to learn. We're going to talk about this in terms of what's intrinsic to Netflix that nobody else has. Love it. What okay. is intrinsic to Netflix that nobody else has? And then promise me, Dad, that we are going to talk about the whole thing about the amortization of the content because we will. I really need that loop to be closed. OK. okay. So we've talked about this, the, the, the fact that Netflix, being run by Reed Hastings, invented the streaming service effectively, moving away yes. from DVDs in, a, in an envelope, and and has fended off challenges to their dominance multiple times in their history as other companies started to come into this world. And what that provides them is a database of knowledge that no one else has. It, and this is what is their moat, in my opinion, that, that knowledge of what's going on uh, with their subscribers is so deep and so long for so many years compared to anybody else that they're, and, and the, the time to produce content is not weeks or months, it's years to produce yeah. content, right? From the time somebody gets an idea, starts a script, and then brings in a team, and then actually shoots it and edits it, we're talking years in the making. Um, and, and that means that the, the ability for these other companies to come in and compete with any amount of money, with any amount of money, is directly 
proportional to this kind of moat that Netflix has. In fact, one of the ways that we look at a company to determine if we really believe in the moat is we say, if this company had all of the money that it would cost to buy Netflix right now in the market, if, if Apple computer had that available and would just spend it to compete with Netflix, could they dominate Netflix? If Disney- Could they dominate? Oh, yeah. not buy Netflix, not compete buy them. with Netflix. Take the money and spend it. Let, let me give you an example. If you took all of the money that currently is the market capitalization of Boeing, mm -hmm. could you start an airline company, an airline, uh, uh, an airplane manufacturing company and knock Boeing out? Could you do it? And the answer is, oh, hell no. That'd be, that'd be No difficult. chance. Yeah. If you had all of the money of a Chipotle Mexican grill, could you come in and dominate Chipotle? Maybe, yeah, maybe more of a chance could. than, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe more of a chance than you could with Boeing, but probably not. It would probably take you way more than that. I mean, a really huge moat company is something like Burlington Northern or Union Pacific, where if you had all the money in the world, could you come in and compete with a railroad? And the answer is no. Yeah. You can't get the tracks. By far the strongest kind of moat. For the strong, massive moat, right? Massive moat. And so um, this moat that Netflix has is, boy, you really have to get your head wrapped around whether it's real, right? Whether they right. really do have this secret sauce of creating content. To date, it looks like they do. I mean, their content continues to drive massive numbers of people that stay subscribed. And Reed Hastings has recently come out and just basically it's all about pleasing our customers. That's 100% what the business is. So to date, it's at least looking out the back window of the car, the answer is yes, they've got a secret sauce. I agree. I'm going to say something nice about Netflix now. Hmm. The reason that Netflix became what it was, yes, they started out offering streaming video. That was a big thing. But it was not an amazing idea you know other companies were doing similar things or soon after were doing similar things mm -hmm. what most people including reed hastings have attributed netflix's success to is their algorithm that started to send before streaming even started to send dvds to customers homes that they were guessing the customer would enjoy watching they did yes. that with DVDs yes. before streaming. So their whole idea at Netflix turned the video store concept on his head where you go and you stand there with your spouse and you debate for 20 minutes in a horrible way and have an argument over what you're going to watch. Everybody hates that. I remember that so well. And it turned it into, we make your life easier and better because now you're not gonna have an argument with your spouse. Right. You're going to get something you would have never chosen, you've probably never heard of, and you're gonna love it. Yes. And it worked. If it hadn't yes. worked, it wouldn't have done anything, but it worked. Yes. And people got new content that they loved. And so being a Netflix subscriber was a value add even more beyond um, the convenience of receiving videos at your house it, it introduced you to new content. And so they included that concept going forward as they became focused entirely on streaming and their algorithm to 
put up what they think you as a subscriber are going to want to watch is the secret sauce. That is the Netflix moat. Yep. Because they started out with no, almost no original content. They started out entirely licensing everything from everybody yep. else. And you could have watched that stuff on TV for free, by the way. They played Seinfeld, you know, <laughs> seven times a day. And yet people would watch it on Netflix because it would show up right when they wanted it magically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're still doing that. So to me, that's the moat of that's Netflix. Right. In the past, out the back window of the car, as you've right. said. So right. my big question is, is that still providing the user experience of amazingness, of feeling like I'm really getting extra by being uh, part of this service that you used to feel. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you not that it matters what one person feels. I don't feel that I'm getting that value mm -hmm. add mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I am. <laughs> I am. They threw, they threw the last kingdom up in front of oh, me. Oh, I know. I don't even know I'm what like, that show is. I'm like, I've already is, watched two But you have Vikings. mentioned it every bloody time. It's like, they, I already watched a couple of Viking things and they were all right, you know, and I'm kind of like, yeah, all right, let's check it out. And I got hooked immediately. So they know something about my viewing habits sufficient oh, yeah, to totally. say, yeah, we've got, we've got something here you're going to like. And they threw it up there and they were dead on. And so it, it, it's still working for me. And it, and I don't know if it's I'm unique or what, but I think I'm not unique. I think that the subscriber base is sticking in there pretty darn good in spite of a lot of competition. It's working for a lot of people. Yeah. But this is a new era. And this is what everybody's saying. All the questions are driving at. Mm -hmm. This is a new era. Back when that was happening, mm -hmm. it was amazing. And there was no Disney Plus and there was no Amazon Prime and there was no Apple, whatever they call theirs and, you know, all the millions of different services. And there was barely a YouTube, but now there's like legit, you can watch shows on YouTube for free. So there's so much more competition and other algorithms offering people stuff. Well, YouTube is a great example. Okay, but don't Am forget there's always track? been a tremendous amount of competition. I mean, television itself is a tremendous amount of competition. But television itself was not personalized. No, it you was not personalized. But it was free, and you got what you got, and there's a ton it of channels. It wasn't free. Well, you got That's a, why everybody true. cut the cord. You got a, you got a, that's true. It's true. It wasn't free. But today, you've got this gigantic movement off of television into streaming. Right. Right. It's massive. I mean, it's it's just getting started. People are just starting to make the shift. It hasn't been like, oh, well, half the people are off of television and, and now they're on streaming. No, it's it's a small percentage still. So that shift is going to come inevitably and become permanent. And right. everybody who's in it is going to see their boats rise. Everybody. As long as you're producing streaming content that's competitive you will see the boats rise as the, the tide comes in which is what's happening as the people move off of of pay of television and then the question is who's producing the best content who has the best data for what people want to watch yeah and and to your, to what your, to can George's they offer them question, then to watch <laughs> yeah 
I mean, I've, but I go on to Prime, Apple, you know, most of us have, the average person has four of these things. And if you mm -hmm. think of what television costs, it costs like 80 bucks. You replace it with streaming, you're not paying any more money per month. So if you've got four of these things, almost everyone has Netflix as one of them. Mm -hmm. Now you go over to the others, I, we go to Prime and we go to Apple um, and some others. And they, they, everybody puts stuff in front of you. Everybody does. But what they put in front of me, my experience with those play, places is what your experience is with Netflix. They're not even yes, close. They're precisely. not even in the ballpark of what I'm interested in watching. That's the point. So yeah. Netflix's algorithm is the moat. Right. And then the maybe this is the moat too. You can tell me how you think about it. But so then the, the second part of that is the algorithm can only offer you what it has. So then it offers, you know, these 30 shows. Here you go. We think you're going to like those. And Apple simply doesn't have that many shows. <laughs> so well, that's, that's so the other that's, point. Netflix is producing a problem. show a, a day, a yeah. show a day. Think of the pipeline and think of the money you got to put into that pipeline to produce a show effectively every business day whereas the most productive other streaming services one a week. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So Netflix is yeah. five times more but content coming at you. Right, because they're spending so much money on it. So to your, to your point that you said five minutes ago about like, could Apple go and spend the same amount of money as Netflix and and take them over. Blow them out of the water? Yeah, yeah I think they no, could. No, 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 because You Apple, don't think so? No, Apple's not producing one one piece a week because they don't want to produce five a week. It's they don't want to have a bunch of shows being produced that aren't getting watched. And Apple isn't as good at this by any means as Netflix is. And so you've got this barrier to entry, which is moat, of this massive experience of this algorithm that's telling Netflix, not only what to tell you you probably want to watch, but also to build things that you want to watch. And that building pipeline is years into the future. Apple doesn't have that. Disney doesn't have it. Paramount doesn't have it. They, nobody else has this. It's just Netflix that has this. So their content creation <clears throat> is expanding faster than anybody. And really the question is, can they monetize that into something that would land in the, in the pockets of the owners? And this is what I was going to point out, okay. is that not only does do they have assets that they're depreciating, in an, but 90% of their assets they depreciate in four years, which are valuable beyond those four years and accumulating value over time, just as Disney's stuff has accumulated value over time. But they also are starting to increase their free cash flow now. They're, they're able to generate more and more free cash flow out of net earnings than they ever have before. And Reed Hastings is promising us that that number will continue to grow as they become bigger and bigger. They become more and more efficient and less and less overhead producing more and more content. So although they are spending more than anybody else, 
they're also growing their free cash flow for the really the first time. In the I last find couple that years. really surprising. I have to say because they have dramatically cut their they've been trying to dramatically cut their costs lately. They have canceled uh, production agreements. They've cut down on the number of um, shows that they're producing. Well, they've, remember what know, they're trying to do. Famously, is shows told employees will... to like stop spending so much money on birthdays or something like that. But just um, just remember that they're trying to produce product that people will watch, and they're just being just being much more serious about it. Okay. And I think right. So As that's competition comes in. They're they're, they're tightening the, their belts a little. They're bit tightening and, their belt. And saying, okay, we're going to have to make sure that the stuff we produce is better than. Then you know we don't we don't have room for content that's not going to be watched. We're we're under a lot of competitive pressure here. So, okay. I believe I believe now this is of course what makes us such a high bar, is that, I believe the mode is still there, that their algorithm is still working. It's working for me. It's working for people I've talked to. Um, they are getting pushed forward shows that they really enjoy. Um, they still have the most number of award-winning shows by far, by really almost an order of magnitude over anyone else, although that can change in the future. Um, they are producing five times more product than anyone else. Apple may just decide to start spending money like crazy. But there's no point in somebody bigger, to George's question, there's no point in these guys trying to piss away a bunch of money if they don't have data that says that they're producing shows people want to watch mm -hmm. and that data is slow to come so i think netflix is going to stay the king for really the foreseeable future anyway talking looking out two or three four years anyway just because of the long pipeline it takes for all these other companies to generate stuff that in fact they know people want to watch that's a trick so i think i think really that they uh, are going to be there and george i think you I'm not so worried that the big guys can just outspend Netflix and come up with stuff that, you know, that that's. I think that, that's the, the big question, though. We got one from Joel also. So Joel says, how do you factor into the competitive analysis that Apple and Disney have so much cash that they can invest in programming? Yeah, it's, it's that you just it's, it's a, a little huge... bit like you can't put, you know, it, it doesn't if you've got a, a hole you're digging, it doesn't help you to shove in 10 more people. It makes it worse. Right. In other words, you you only have so much room. Maybe that's not a good metaphor. What does that have to do with <laughs> you're, producing you're, content? You're frowning at me. It does, but I it's, mean, it's just you know, you're you only have so much creative talent. There's only so many good projects you can. Right, but the light. point is, you know, I'm a show producer. I shot my project to, let's say, Netflix, Apple, and Disney. Yeah. I'm gonna go with the one that a pays me the most, and b that's gonna give me good production working condition, you know, whatever it is people like to have that's uh, non-monetary when creative control, you know, like whatever important elements um, contractually that they want. So those two uh, control and money are the two things that people want when they are uh, shopping around thing. a project. Now there's one more thing. What's the third? They want the accolades. And in order to get the accolades, they want viewers. And Netflix has twice as many as the next largest group. And so if you want your stuff to be watched and you're a, you know, you're a famous producer or a famous director, you want it to go on Netflix pretty much. You want it to get it out there. If they'll if they'll pay maybe. you in the ballpark. Right? That's they, a fair point. Yeah, maybe. 
number one. Number two, they've been by far the most hands-off producer of con content in the world. They let people do stuff that's risky. And of course, they're, they're watching that money now closer than they have before. But to take an example, the Squid Game went to every one of their competitors mm -hmm. and nobody wanted it. Yeah. And they got to Netflix, they said, yeah, our yeah. database is telling us this will be a hit, right? So yeah, I think the concern though is okay. Apple has so much money; they just throw money at it. The kind of thing you can't refuse. And you're Shonda Rhimes, and you're getting poached from Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like that is a thing that they could do. They have they the money for it. They could, if, so but that doesn't mean the likely, content that they're going to produce would be good. I think as an investor, the question is: Is that likely to happen? Um, Don't know. I'm not I, so I, sure. It's, it hasn't it's a happened question. yet. Hasn't and happened I think yet. If it hasn't happened yet, I feel like the time to do it was like two or three years ago when they first launched. Yeah, I mean, other companies have competed with these guys for a long time and haven't been able to produce the content. So. I think that that, sec that secret sauce is still working, um, but I would hesitate to say that this is in any way, shape, or form an easy call. Um, obviously, there's, you know, you really have to dig into it, make up your own mind. But okay, to just just to kind of wrap things up on Netflix here, if I can, um, let's go back over to depreciation amortization. So they're amortizing um, a load of stuff. Right, they're amortizing about twelve billion dollars worth of stuff, um, but they're also removing from cash flow content assets to the tune of seventeen point seven billion dollars. In other words, they spent about seventeen billion dollars last year on new content, ten billion of which was getting leases uh, on stuff, right, leasing other people's content, and seven billion was new, and then they wrote off about twelve billion dollars worth of stuff. The vast majority of which, I think 10 billion of which, was licensed content. In other words, they're just replacing that almost dollar for dollar. So 10 billion out, 10 billion in. And, um, and about 2 billion of that was content assets that they had built. So if you think about it for a second, they're effectively maybe going, I know, I know their content creation number has grown over time, but they, I believe, are starting to see the content land on the balance sheet and stay there longer than the depreciation schedule. And the result is mm -hmm. going to be more and more content that's actually on the balance sheet, number one, or is legitimately valuable asset that is no longer on the balance sheet because the amortization schedule took it off in four years. So the content creation that goes to real assets that have real value that they no longer have to pay for, I think is growing. And as a result, their free cash flow should grow. In other words, that stuff's going to produce cash flow without cost. Yeah. There's no depreciation. There's I do no think expenses. there's an argument to that, that if they can create well-loved content that people want to watch over and over, year after year, then that library could be the saving grace in some ways. I mean, just, just look at look at what they've got with stuff like, um, you know, The Last Kingdom. I mean, that's not a time. It's a it's a historical show. Is there any literally? Is there any other show that you have watched on Netflix? Oh, there's tons. Name one. 
Well, I can't right off the top of my head because I've been watching that thing for weeks. <laughs> uh, isn't the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders on Netflix? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, that's my go-to. So, <laughs> yeah, so I let lost me guess. track of what I You're going to stop watching The Last Kingdom and you're going to immediately cancel until... No, I'm you... done with it. I did it. I did the whole thing. Here's the point. Other people are going to have that content available to discover over the years as as Netflix raises us up with its algorithm and tosses these new viewers this show. If they're a viewer like me, they'll look at it. It doesn't matter that it was created 10 years ago. Definitely. It makes no difference whatsoever. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Same thing with Bridgerton. Same thing with Stranger Things. Same thing with the massive amount of content that they've created, it's not timely. It's stuff that can sit there forever. Particularly Bridgerton. I mean, look at what he, that's that's a groundbreaking kind of a show. And it's really, really apparently really fun. I haven't watched it yet. It's not maybe my cup of tea, so to Yeah, speak. I don't think you would necessarily. <laughs> but I love the not, idea that they take a Victorian. not really a Last Kingdom viewer. They, they uh, take a Victorian, a Victorian era which is England and white people. And they just put in every race, total diversity, total inclusion, and don't even blink. Don't even say a word. Nothing. Zero. This, yeah, that's but it's it. not popular because of that. <laughs> I think it might be. I, I think mean, it's that's, that's part of it. Brilliant. It's like awesome. Everybody, it, it makes me happy. It's helping us, helping us with the, with the world as we should be. A fantastic soap opera. And it, maybe it's a fantastic um, one. All right. All so right. I keep it. trying to pin Netflix into like away from our opinions and into concrete stuff. Something objective. And, right. And it's still difficult. Oh, so It's very difficult. Especially when you come to figuring out what it's worth. Oh, my God. Right. It and I actually have a really good earnings. listener question about that ah, for next okay. time. So okay. let's say oh, we, can, we can say we're done with Netflix, but we're going to now talk about <laughs> how to value confusing entertainment technology companies. Yeah, or if you even can. Or if you even can, exactly. Keep this in mind, you guys. Most things you look at, you will not be able to put a solid value on. It requires a deep understanding. So if we can't really understand Netflix because it's too hard, then any number we come up with to buy it with is just fictional. So I mean, I have to say, our discussion today did not make me feel it was too hard. It kind of kind of starts to send like you back in there a little bit. Yeah, I'm a little bit back in there. At the right price, this could be a really good thing. So let's talk about the right price next time. Cool. Oh, ah, yeah. All right. Totally cool. Also, See ya, happy 4th of July to all my Americanos. Oh, thank you very much. We're very excited. Celebrating over here. <laughs> um, okay, next week. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Love you. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. 
So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>